What's up, guys, and welcome to my show, Into the Mind, with me, Eddie Ross. Very special day today. I'm joined by two extraordinary people, Edward and Hannah. Welcome to the show. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you. It's so, a pleasure. Am I right by thinking you guys have been through some tough times over the years and you're finally gaining control of your mental health and you want to share your story? Definitely. I think sharing our story is really important for others to hear and to connect through one conversation at a time. So we're open to exploring that. Brilliant. So, Edward, um, we're going to start with you. We know each other from some time on Human. Yeah. Uh, let me explain to you guys what Human is first. It's a men's only discussion about our mental health, where we can all gather and express what's going on with us in a safe environment. Um, if you would like to learn anything else about it, just send me a message and I'll send you the link over to their page. I'll do what I can to help you onto that. They do brilliant work for men's mental health. So as I was saying, we've actually met through and seen each other on the screen on, our, yeah, on the so laptops <laughs> and on the phones, uh, started communicating separately on Instagram. Correct, yeah. Uh, so what made you choose Into the Mind to express what you're doing? Um, well, I obviously listened to your podcasts um, because you sh shared it on social media, so I was just giving you a vote of confidence, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think opening discussions around the struggles of mental health is incredibly important. Um, and I believe that the platform that you've created will enable to do that um, and to reach out to as many people as possible. That's brilliant. I'm so, so glad you've actually considered coming to me instead of anyone else. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> you you, are, the, you are the top vision. of the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Edward, when did you feel that you were starting to go down a slippery slope? What, where, where, Gosh, what kind it feels of time like a frame time ago. <laughs> um, I, I think the the pivotal um, time for me was um, around October, November time. Okay, um, uh, this the year just gone? Or? Yeah, so 2019. Um, and, well, I'll be open and, and say this in, in, in front of Hannah, but um, I was, um, it was, a, there was a lot that happened. Um, I, I broke up with my, my ex-girlfriend um at the time um mm -hmm. i think there was a lot that was going wrong um in my life and i just lost um uh, per peripheral a uh, sort of view of uh of what was going on and it's not the first time um that i had issues with uh, mental health but what i tend to do by nature uh which i've over the time I've sort of um, changed is I go on sort of self-destruct mode um, mm -hmm. and I push the people who are closest to me away. Um, I, I think that was, imagine a sort of a glass, which is a shattering um, breaking up with my ex was a sort of the, the flick that sort of broke everything. Yeah. Um, and I, I did find myself in a pretty dark place. Um, if, I mean, can we be honest on the show? That's the whole point, yeah. Uh, <laughs> open up. Um, yeah, uh, I really did uh, enter the depths of um, sort of my, my own mental health. And um, it came about, uh, there was extreme suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. um, there was um, suicide planning um, leading up to a suicide attempt. Yeah. Um, which then led me next thing i remember was pretty much being in a 
psychiatric hospital. Um, right. So when when we say rehab, people t- tend to think d- drugs and alcohol. Yeah, yeah. They, they tend to to look back at some of the hard stuff that that people consume. And mm-hmm. they take it as that as rehab, but there's so many other factors of what rehab actually is. Absolutely, Definitely. and there are so many different facets to to mental health as well. Mm. Um, but really, it was just uh, to to answer your going back to the question when when did I realize it was around October November? I thought you know going on a, on a holiday with my best mate um, for three weeks would would fix things. Um, it's, it's only a distraction, isn't it? It's a it, distraction it, for three weeks and then it's back to reality. It, it wasn't even that. Whilst I was away, it was, it, it, I didn't feel, I didn't, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I've never really felt comfortable in my own skin. Right. Um, but more so at that time. Mm. Um, and I just, I was just like, just all over the place. Yeah. Um, and then when I came back, that's when, you know, shit hit the fan. Um, so when you broke up uh, with your ex-girlfriend, mm-hmm. was did you then take the blame for the breakup? And is, is that why it affected I, you more I did. than what it would have? Yeah, de- definitely. I, I d- there was a lot of guilt um, surrounding that. Um, and I, I feel like resentment is probably one of the most toxic behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of resentment. Um and I'm, I mean, I've spoken to Hannah, um, for those who will know later on in the podcast <laughs> that we're together, um, but, um, you've ruined it. You've ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Secrets I, I, out. Yeah. I, no, she, she knows, but, um, I, I think that's what makes us stronger as well. Yeah. Definitely. Um, as a couple, because, uh, you know, identifying key factors and, you know, we, we both have struggled. I, I know this is sort of going on a tangent, but we, we both have suffered from mental health so so we understand and that's why we're trying to sort of one conversation at a time destigmatize right yeah mental health because like i said there are so many different facets there are so many different you know um conditions as well um i feel like there's so many different stages of of losing your mental health because i don't think you actually have good or bad mental health i think you lose control it's on a spectrum yeah I, th- I, th- uh, I don't think anyone actually can say i'm in good mental health i think they can say i have control of it um and so obviously when losing the control you start to feel the anxiety and you start to feel uh, a bit trapped then again and then that's the point where you try and gain it back and that's the hard difficult bit yeah and I think sort of the stigma around it as well as, you know, people are open to saying, you know, I've got a physical health, but every human has a brain. So every human also has mental health. So it's also important to balance both. And whether you're in control of your mental health or physical health um, also is on the spectrum. Um, And that sort of awareness of where you are on both is is really key. um, Yeah, maintaining sort of. A balance yeah no, i understand completely so hannah did anything happen to you to make you feel like you lost uh your mental con- um your mental health lost control in a sense or, or did it was it just natural did it just come out from anywhere or it kind of came out of the blue um it was actually around october november i started going downhill i could feel my mood i mean i've been in um therapy for a while Mm -hmm. and 
I could feel my mood sort of going downhill and sort of the stresses of university and work and all of that, um, I think were piling on. And then around December, when I went home, I was getting sort of more um, flashbacks and stuff like that. And so that was definitely consuming my mind a lot. And yeah. so around January is when I hit rock bottom and my suicide attempt was actually very impulsive. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have a plan. I just went for almost the most extreme know, extreme way to take my life. I survived that. Um, and then the next, well, my psychologist called my parents. My parents were on a, on a flight the next morning. And then I was admitted into a psychiatric hospital and then basically woke up three days later and found out Brexit happened. Oh, wow. So what, what, <laughs> what, a, couple, what a couple of days. Yeah, I, I was I was a bit out of it for um, <laughs> a couple of weeks yeah. of my admission. But so in, in your darkest um, in your darkest time, mm. how did you how did you cope with the outside world? Did you not really want to step out? Was, was I completely was it a brave myself. face or? Yeah. I completely shut myself out. Um, for me, I've got sort of a long history of prolonged abuse. And so right. my way of keeping myself psychologically safe, physically safe, was to shut myself out completely. So when Just I isolate. Completely isolate, which is detrimental to your mental health because we're mm. social creatures. So we need, you know, communication and affection and and um to be around others but I completely shut myself off completely withdrew um and then I relapsed in January um on drugs which I was sober for two years um and then that's when I realized I really needed help Uh, what made you wanting to start taking the drugs was it recreational was it painkillers um it was recreational Mm -hmm. and I think it was just sort of my mind was swimming and I was searching for peace, um, which is in part, I think, where the suicide attempt came from. There was just so much going on in my mind, so much I was remembering, things that had been swept under the rug for years that I had forgotten about were all starting to come up because I was in a new environment where I knew that I was psychologically and physically safe. So that's when your body begins to relax. Yeah. Um, and I've been in sort of fight, um, fight or flight mode for so many years that when my body started to relax, all the memories came back up. So I think that's probably when I guess my mental health went straight downhill Yeah. was when everything I thought that, you know, didn't matter or was sort of in the past was actually still very much prevalent in my life. Um, so and holding the, me back from different things. Did you think that the um, drug taking was to almost hide any emotion and any pain that you had, or was it almost to feel normal? I think it was probably just to hide. Um, I stopped going. Just try and to block everything out. I was blocking everything out. I was in bed. Um, yeah, I stopped going to all of my commitments, and then I attempted suicide. Right. And so I think. That week leading up to that, I was just taking drugs just to numb myself of what I was feeling, what I was remembering, my dreams, the nightmares, the tremors, like all of that. I think I was just completely trying to 
relax my body and numb myself. And so how long are you sober now? Since January. Since January. Well done. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. (laughs) I was sober for two years and I'm not going back to that stuff. Yeah. Brilliant. (laughs) Well done. So very strange story. You guys actually met in rehab. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So would you, I, I, I haven't actually been to a rehab facility myself. So how, what is it? Is it like a, like a group circle and then you guys met there or was it, was you just walking past each other and you met? How, how did it happen? Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult to sort of illustrate, um, the sort of environment of, of the facility. I mean, I think we're both very, very lucky um, and fortunate to 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 have been able to to be admitted into a, a private uh, mental health clinic. Um, I mean, n- not to drop uh, sort of um, bombs, but you know, Michael Jackson was there in the nineties. So <laughs> oh, oh, we're name we're name yeah. dropping now. Yeah, we're, we're, we're name dropping. <laughs> We've got a statue and. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Um, fountain so, so, so that's <laughs> dedicated our, to him. <laughs> yeah, so that's our claim to fame. Um, but really, like, I mean, just to give a little bit of background for for those who, you know, have not been and thinking of going, um, or or have friends and family who um, who are currently um, in rehab or a mental health facility, I think um, just an understanding of it. I was very. I, I I mean, when I was admitted, I was all over the place. Um, but if it didn't feel like a hospital, um, I completely agree. Which 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 was it felt it's definitely a bubble. Um, it feels safe. Um, but how we met? Uh, I mean, we we did uh, an intensive time there, where it's like Monday to what well, more so Monday to Friday of group therapy yeah and um, it's split between five different groups we yeah. didn't we were actually in different groups um different therapy groups but throughout well, your is whole it different day, therapy groups for different reasons whilst while you're there well it's i think it's down to yes a it's for that um but b is for for numbers um right. as well because yeah. they they don't want to have more than 10 people um in, just in the to room. create a safe environment mm. exactly so it's a combination of um you have workshops sort of on depression anxiety sleep hygiene for example um you also have um a therapy such as ipt so that's interpersonal therapy um so that's very much where you're sort of um probing each other um in the nicest way um well in the nicest way in the in i think in the realest way i think uh conversations were were quite raw and quite heavy and sometimes Mm -hmm. it was quite draining at times um but bouncing off ideas um with other people going through similar things or um different sort of different perspectives and it really opens a conversation with uh, different points of view um, for you to then go back and have a think. Um, so which is uh, quite, that that's, was probably my, my favorite style of, um, therapy. Then there was CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so that's basically therapy to understand, um, your mind and your thought process and how to break away from the mold of the vicious cycle. Um, if there is one, um and there was over the weekends there were more sort of um general therapy styles sort of 
drama therapy um boundaries and assertions and we actually met in a drama therapy um session oh, okay okay yeah i mean well when i met her she was on a different planet altogether. i was i had not come back down to earth yet i was still <laughs> in my own little still, still high high in the sky yeah, yeah. planet somewhere up there in the galaxy but what was um, cool is um meeting um people in the facility from all types of backgrounds yeah, yeah. Um, i can imagine it's such a wide range of oh, from people 18 why, to 75 and yeah, d- such definitely. different backgrounds and um, you really get to connect but with... there is no stigma whatsoever no like, none. It, because everyone's there for the same so, well, sort well of reason yeah i mean there's a, a different sort of diagnosis you have uh, you know bpd um you have um bipolar, bipolar schizophrenia complex ptsd which is what i have right depression anxiety loads of like different reasons eating disorders and, and and stuff like that um i mean they they did have a really nice uh well it's, it's not the healthiest but uh a smoking yard where we all congregate <laughs> and that was like you after therapy you? <laughs> yeah, yeah no, you gotta definitely. have some sort of stress reliever after a hard ipt session yeah no, definitely. you need to have something to relax uh, absolutely yeah. uh i mean we're we're all about sort of um a soulful lifestyle and then sort of you know leading a healthy lifestyle but uh, to do just like having a cigarette break and just <laughs> we're working on people. quitting we're, we're, we're working on it <laughs> so you can be totally it. clean out of nothing uh, out of nothing yeah i haven't uh, well no, that's i was gonna say i haven't had a drink in a while but i had a glass of wine last night so <laughs> um but um yeah so going back to um you know self-destructive mode and stuff like that i think for 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 me was i mean i I used to call up friends that i hadn't seen in a while and be like guys let's just go to the club you know spend x amount of money just get wasted i was partying like there was no tomorrow yeah and even when the club shut like 3 30 4 I was just like looking for the next thing every single time. Um, and I think that was um, a are, way are of you self-medicating. Always to chase, are you always trying to like chase a, a little bit of freedom just to get you away of what you yeah, were originally just, thinking just of? Just to numb the pain. Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, and I mean, I was, I was at my darkest days. Um, but... Yeah. I mean, we, we can say where we went. It was Nightingale Hospital. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a wonderful facility. It's a wonderful facility. Um, they are incredibly loving yeah. and caring. And I mean, changed my life completely. I would not be sitting here today if wow. they weren't there for me. Same here. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think, I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, going back to sort of what you were saying about sort of running from problems, I think I've been doing that. Probably. I went to boarding school. I left my home country. Kudos. <laughs> um, at 13. So it's quite young. So um, I think I've always sort of been running and searching for that um, next thing or adrenaline type. Um, I don't know. Would you would just say you're always, always trying to find yourself because you moved at such an early age? Um, being in a boarding school environment, you can get sort of lost among that. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, I actually ended up in several abusive relationships and domestic violence and, um, 
then down the line it got quite worse so um I was always sort of running and searching for a new place thinking okay this place will fix me because you know it's a completely new environment but I continuously found myself in the same cycle and the same situations so I think you know what we were talking about is running from problems whether it be through drugs alcohol drinking you know I was switching locations I went through several different states in the United States. I've been to Austria, I've been, you know, to several countries and now I'm here in London. So I've been just sort of running yeah. in, as a way of escaping. So um, what, what would you say is keeping you, what's, what's so different about now? If I think me. it... <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. There's a, you know, I think... Um, having hit rock bottom and building yourself up from there and seeing glimpses of hope and yeah. seeing how far you can come in such a short period of time. Um, Would you say you hit rock bottom in London then? I think consciously I hit rock right. bottom. Beforehand, I was very much i guess um in survival mode yeah. so i never recognized that i was in a dark place um just i just carried on fighting I just carried all the time. on because i was you know my stress levels were you know hitting the absolute maximum capacity for myself so i was just constantly on the go constantly making sure um i guess i was safe or or whatever the situation was so I wasn't consciously aware that I was in survival mode. But mm-hmm. once I hit rock bottom, I realized then that I'd just been surviving. I hadn't been living. Yeah. Um, just and, taking each day as it is. Yeah. And taking it each day it is. And I think, you know, through the time in the hospital learning, you know, take one day at a time and switching that mindset of survival mode to living life for yourself and wanting to live life for yourself um was a huge transformation yeah Yeah. definitely and it and it really brought out you know I actually loved the group therapies because you were able to connect to people you know every story is different the origin of somebody's story is can be very different far from you know I don't know, let's say somebody might be depressed or anxious or, or, you know, has gone through something very serious or an accident or whatever it is. But the raw emotion beneath it is fear, um, shame, guilt, embarrassment, all of those things that you can really connect on at a deeper level. And being able to share those feelings with other people who also understand that was really enlightening in a way it sort of was freeing at the same time um to know that you weren't alone in feeling that way yeah yeah, it's it's to feel that you know you're not the only one out there suffering there is plenty plenty of other people out there that do need the help so it's it's a bit warming isn't it it's a bit warming inside that you feel safe yeah because you're surrounded by people who experience the same kind of feelings as you completely and i think getting down to the raw essence of the feelings was what was really so transformative 
Um, I mean, I still <laughs> hide my feelings a bit, but it's a learning. It's a learning process. It's a journey. Yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. It is doesn't it? happen, and it's not a linear journey, and it's not going to, you know, happen overnight. But uh, through time, as you connect with your feelings and connect with others, I think, you know, that's the pivotal part that brings hope. Yeah. Um, it shows, you know, a future, and it also. I don't know, for me, I guess it was the time where I realized that life was worth living for, um, was yeah. actually connecting with other people. Yeah, brilliant. So, um, Edward, did you find that you could actually talk to your friends or to your family, or did you just try and battle it all on your own? Did you? How, how did you do it yourself? Oh, it's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> not easy. Uh, not, not easy. Um I mean, I've I was diagnosed with clinical depression when I was twelve. Right. Um, I had a bad experience with with a therapist. Um, as well, just to give a bit of backstory, um, because at that at that age there is no confidentiality clause with with parents. Um, right. Yeah. Because I was a, I was a minor, um, and the therapist that I was seeing at the time managed to convince my mother that. I wasn't suffering from anything. I was just purely jealous of my younger brother um, because I wasn't the sort of youngest um, in the family. I'm one of four boys, right? Um, which couldn't have been further from the truth. But my mom did believe it for some time, mm. and you know that did create a stressful environment and and dynamic with with my mother. So, and then she she finally realized that you know the therapist was just i don't know what she was on but she was just a manipulative yeah human being just no help at all no help whatsoever um so i really shied away from um sort of seeking medical help yeah um so i did i also went to boarding school when i was 13 um i was put on some pretty strong antidepressants which which just made me feel like a vegetable i was completely disconnected from my own self what, what age was you put on uh the antidepressants um it was around the age of 13 well, really young yeah pretty pretty young um and i just felt sedated all the time mm. um so i then that enforced you know my sort of recognition of you know i can probably do this other some other way yeah. um and like I had a complete loss of, I had a traumatic experience uh, when I was um, 13 um, as well. Um, and I sort of really lost self-identity, which, which I mentioned before, but I was seeking other people's approval and I was trying to find myself through other people. So it's um, almost like a self-doubt. Yeah, I exactly. Um, and... That's when I mean I've been battling with with depression um, from a young age, as I mentioned, um, and coping mechanisms, drugs, alcohol, you name it. They just become yeah. more and more and more harsher and more and more destructive. Ex exactly. I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I when I was um, sixteen. I mean, I, I wanted to be uh, on a light note. I wanted to be a pilot uh, when I was younger. Um, and I was actually training, I was in the cadets, I was training for my PPL 
Um, but that dream went out the window. Uh, aren't you a bit tall to be a pilot? <laughs> I'm six foot one. It's not that bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that dream went out the window. So that really uh, sort of disrupted my, uh, you know, who who am I? What, what it, am yeah, I? it puts a stop in the goal in life, doesn't it? Abso- absolutely. And you're forced to go in a different direction. Exactly. And I was just, I think from from then on, I was just cruising through life. You know, um, I mean, we we can talk about um, dissociation, you know, as a coping mechanism. I don't think I was ever really connected with my emotions. Uh, I was suppressing a lot, uh, bottling things in, um, you know, and I I come from a French background. um, So my, my... I wouldn't say my parents are the most traditional French people, but my my parents do come from traditional backgrounds. Um, So, you know, mental health is not really something that we discussed openly. Um, Yeah. It it did come certain times when my parents would just be like, you know, there are people worse off, Um, you know, just suck it up. Yeah, it's that common, well, what have you got to be sad about? Exactly. Look at, what, look at what you got. Look at your life. Why? Why are you sad? Exactly. It's, my my all mother the, actually all the time said, doesn't it happens all the time. It, it does. And my mother actually said to me, Edward, you have everything to be happy. Why are you not happy? And you know that just created a a core belief, a sort of unintentional core belief within myself. It makes you a bit confused, doesn't it? Exactly. It's just like, like, what's wrong with me? And I was, just, I just kept on discrediting my mental health. Yeah. Even when I was uh, at the mental health clinic, when I had other people's stories, I was just like, man, like mine, mine's not that bad. And like, and then I just think, I think back to it. I was just like, dude, I try to kill myself. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know what, like, for me, I mean, everyone has different stories, but for me, I can, you know, um, what's words? Uh, I, I can, vis- like, for me, I, vi- I can visualize what rock bottom looked like for me. Yeah. Um, and when when I hit rock bottom, it's just like, the only way is up. Like you can't go further down unless you kill yourself. So yeah, that there is no end point apart from death. Exactly, and you know, suicidal ideation. There is, um, I mean, people think I'm weird talking about this, but there is some like inner peace um, to it, just uh, feeling free and just away from 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 yeah, everything. Um, and my mother once told me because it's not my my first my first rodeo. Um, my mum told me that I had no right to take my own life because they also oh. come from religious background um, right, as well. Okay. Um, and it was, it was just like just a pile of crap. Yeah. Um, so you didn't really get the support from your family about what was really going on until but, the end. Yeah. But what, what I will say is I love my family. I love my parents. Um, just in case they're listening to <laughs> Full this. disclosure. Full disclosure. <laughs> my parents have, you know, we're not all perfect humans. It's, it's a different generation thing, it's isn't ge- it? It's a different generation, generation thing, but they've never given up on me. No. And I am super grateful for that. Um, my, my father and I, we have a different relationship than what we used to have um, growing up. I actually grew up being fearful of my father. Right. Um, 
and yeah, it's it's just it it was a, a difficult um sort of childhood as well, um and just man boarding school and then I I changed school um as well for my A levels um again due to mental health issues right was, um, was that your choice. Did you have a big part to play in it, or was it just you? You just or was it kind of like uh, you don't seem happy here, so we're going to take you somewhere else? Yeah, it it was it was my decision. I think, like, I had like an epiphany moment, like when I changed schools halfway through the year, and I was just like, no one knows me here. I could have a fresh start. Yeah. And to be honest, a year and a half, I met my best friend when I was like sixteen, seventeen. We're best friends still now. Um. And he's probably, apart from Hannah, um, <laughs> he is probably one of the greatest souls I know. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. And, but then I, I got into the nightlife industry Um. again with, with, with drugs. I was partying seven days a week. Um, yeah. It's a very slippery slope to go down is the, the nightlife. It, it I've, is. I've done it myself where, you know, it's, you're surrounded by the different atmosphere, the happy atmosphere, as I like to call it. Everyone's out to have a good night. Everyone's running from time. something. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you don't realize that until you actually come to terms with it yourself, that when you see the same regulars out on a night out, you think they must have actually maybe been like, a bit like me. Yeah, no, away. definitely. And it was at the time where I was at university in Manchester and I was spending more time in London than I was in Manchester. <laughs> um, and that's when I knew something was 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 not right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, ch- I changed a little bit. Um, then my mental health went downhill again um, just before I graduated. Um, so so that was quite tough. Um, I don't actually know where I'm going with this, but um, <laughs> let, let, let's just say but, like it's, it's it's been a it's been a journey. Yeah. So Hannah, did you feel that maybe coming to terms with your uh, mental health and in your kind of dark darkest times that mm-hmm. you felt that you was a bit selfish? Because I've had some comments before where people have gone because they were so closed in, they only really cared about themselves. So other people then don't really want to, you, you don't want to know what your friends are doing. You don't want to know what your neighbors mm-hmm. are doing. You don't want to know what your family doing because you're so closed in yourself. That's an interesting way to look at it. Um, for me, I think it was a self-protection in a way. Um, I also suffer from dissociative disorders, so depersonalization and derealization where you're not necessarily, um, I guess, I don't know how the best way to explain it, but you're not connected to your body. Right. So it's like your mind-body connection is not one. So you don't, I guess, I don't know, sometimes I can't hear or my vision goes funny or the reality doesn't seem real. Yeah, you're, you're there, but you're not there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's sort of like driving a car and then you realize, oh, wait a minute, like, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> yeah, it's... You haven't got a license, have you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> um, and you forget, I don't know, the past 200 meters, but then you, you get back to it and you're like, oh, I know exactly where I am. But yeah. it's like that for me all the time. Yeah. Um, so thinking about it as, as a selfish way, I, 
I was protecting myself. Um, Do you feel which... like you wouldn't have been the life and soul of the party? So you, that's why you isolated yourself. Because otherwise, if you, if you turn up to, you know, family gatherings, uh, friends, social events mm-hmm. that because you wasn't going to be happy, you was going to get talked about or, you know, because you wasn't life and soul that you was, wasn't going to be invited again. So you just didn't bother in the first place or. Um, potentially, I think I've gone through quite a lot of uh, trauma and abuse. And um, I think that once I got into a physically different environment where I had no contact with some of these people. Um, I completely isolated myself and controlled that environment because that felt safe to me. Um, and so I think mostly my sort of isolation was really to protect myself, um, which which can be viewed as as selfish um, because I've I've hid a lot from my parents and I'm slowly. Yeah. Telling that's what, that's them, what I mean. People see yeah. it as selfishness, but it's not. It's just, think, you are just protecting your, your own boundaries and your own. Yeah, I think you know my my parents struggle with you know how much I share when I share it, um, and there will be things that you know maybe only my therapist and and Edward knows. Because um, mm. there is, there is a point of oversharing that people don't need to know everything. Yeah, I think as a protective factor. Yeah of how they view me and and um, not in a bad way, but I think that they would be very saddened to know some of the things that has happened. So I think it's more about um, I was protecting my family um, from safety. I was protecting myself from safety. Um, and so complete isolation felt the only way yeah. to do so. Do you think people treated you both differently uh, just for the fact that you had been in rehab and been to a psychiatric ward? Do you think they looked at you differently from now on or maybe speak to you about certain things and not want to upset you with certain things? What's what's the social life like now? Well, we're in COVID. (laughs) Yeah, I I think COVID has... We've uh... still got phones. Yeah, yeah. Um, Um, I I, I think... um, my my parents have a better understanding for sure. Yeah. Um, and we through thick and thin. I think uh, our family has gotten stronger. Um, with regards to you know my my friends and and the social circle. No, like, I kept it very secret. Yeah. Um, when I was first admitted, and um, when my best friend came to visit me. He he was so distraught, like he was just like, whoa, yeah. Um, it's like a realization for him. Yeah, and you know, like when you, <laughs> I always joke around about this, but um, when you think about a site at, at like a, a mental health clinic, uh, in French it sounds like more intense. It's like hôpital psychiatrique. You think like strap vests yeah. added walls it's nothing um, like that it is nothing like that just just think of it as a, like a spa it's, retreat it's nothing like the movies no. it's nothing <laughs> like the movies Absolute, not at all not. it's it's 
it was a lovely environment to you, you could, heal. I suppose it has to be calming, doesn't it? You it can't does. have you, know, you can't have carnage and chaos everywhere around it. Art rooms with you know karaoke night sometimes. Karaoke. <laughs> Edward, I hope you got on the mic. <laughs> I, I, I did. Yeah, he I did. did. He did. <laughs> I did. I did. We do. Do you see those videos? Oh, we've, we've got them somewhere, but, um, but... Um, it's not all terrible. And I think. Um, one of the biggest takeaways from that experience was connecting with others. Yeah. Um, and having that sort of, you know, half an hour smoke break in between sessions where everybody sort of drops a mask and you can sort of feel the vibe of how people are feeling. And, you know, everybody might sit there and cry together and hold hands, or we may be in fits of laughter so it's yeah. completely different and you know each night you know somebody might bring out a guitar or it's just it is a bubble for sure it seems like an actual very nice place it's <laughs> <laughs> genuinely uh, probably the, the best safety net to 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 rebuild and yeah. definitely if 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 the listeners um for the listeners if anyone's struggling like reach out like there Reach is out. no shame yeah. in reaching out. No shame. It whatsoever. saved my life and it's and no it saved, shame. It saved, my, it saved mine. Like I, I wouldn't be sitting here either. I um, wish I reached out years ago. Yeah. I, I wish mean, I reached out years ago. I mean, going back to human and how we met, um, the, the first time that I reached out to sort of a group therapy environment was the human space. And it was in Soho in London um, and it was actually, um, I, I don't know if you, if you remember him, Jake Hazel, does that ring a bell? No, I, I only joined human about, uh, well in lockdown. So, oh, so in since lockdown. it was on, on uh, the screens then, okay, fair that's enough. when I then came in. So, so he, he was at the same boarding school that I went to and I saw that he was advocating for mental health and I just right. went there and. I wasn't going to speak, but I just started sobbing and sobbing. And that was like the first time that I reached out for help. And then I actually um, then went to have an appointment with my GP who prescribed me um, antidepressants. And he actually yeah. put me on the, the maximum dose of that specific antidepressant. And it was the first time that I actually read a um, leaflet within the package and some of the side effects were you could go downhill before you go back up. That's how yeah. antidepressants work. Yeah, but, uh, I, I take antidepressants and I have done for over a year now. And I got considerably worse mm -hmm. in the first two weeks until I started feeling better. So I started taking them. I was like, what is this? Why, why am I taking this? Yeah, exactly. And so I didn't take them out of fear of, you know, um, making me t like tip over the edge. Um and I was I was on holiday with, uh, with with my family over the Christmas period, and I had multiple breakdowns. I was I was just not with it, and and it just became a snowball uh, effect. Um, I know we deviated a little bit from from the the question, but <laughs> like, do people like see us differently? I I don't I don't think so. Good. And if people do, then. Well, they you know, can only ask the question. Exactly. And ask the question. I mean, yeah, we, we've... honestly, just ask the question because exactly. chances Pe are, you know, somebody else may have that same question or. And people fear like asking the question 
um, and opening the conversation. And then, and just to uh, do some a little bit of self promotion, but um, <laughs> Hannah and I have uh, started a journey, sort of a blog journey, a YouTube um, channel as well called Soulful Adventurists. I've seen it, um, and on Instagram, um, and we're all about sort of you know, talking about mental health one conversation at a time. Yeah. And focusing primarily in London, but sort of branching out. And post-COVID, we're going to hopefully travel um, and partner with different organizations. Yeah, that's the goal is different to travel communities. around the world and truly learn what mental health is like exactly. in different cultures and how it's perceived. And, yeah, how it's treated uh, in and other how places. how it's treated in, in other places. I That's think brilliant. we would find really fascinating yeah, and see uh, how we could, you know, make an impact as well. Definitely. And I, I think um, it sounds very cliche, but mental health is a journey. Ment everyone has a mental health. It's just like a physical health. It's, it's, you know, you have to, to check in with yourself and, yeah, and see how you're doing. Um, but, you know, this cliche of a journey, I think the journey will not end until, you know, later down the line down the line where you know that's that's my time um to 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 to, to leave this world but when it's your I, natural time when, when it's, it's your, your natural, natural time, time and you to... know we always sort of laughed at the hospital you know it's a journey it's a journey you know we hear it all the time we actually side note left hospital with an amazing group of friends yeah. Um, that we stay connected to and have dinner parties with and get together and That's drop so the mask. And, you know, it's it's really great to be around people who completely get it. Yeah. And you sort of went through it together. Um, but what I was going to say is, you know, within anything in life, whether you're starting a business or you're endeavoring on a on a new path of some sort or it's your mental health journey, you know, you've survived 100% of your worst days. Yeah. Um, and you're still standing here. And what does it take for you to climb to get to the next mountain peak? And then once you get to that peak, you've overcome that little blip in life and you've seen the view. And then you, you might, you know, fall down a bit again, but you keep climbing back up as you've made it 100% yeah. of your worst days. And each time you get a bit higher, the view gets more, you know, yeah. magnificent and extraordinary you've you got to remember why you started in the first place you, got, you need to remember why you picked yourself back up yeah. people have relapses all the time don't they but no, you can't just it's... give up and stop there you need to remember why you started in the first place and, and it's pick not yourself up journey. shake it off and yeah. go again yeah, it's yeah, not exactly. gonna be easy it's not linear i mean but... life's a bitch yeah <laughs> it's yeah. tough life, life is hard <laughs> life... and 2020 has not been <laughs> I mean, I think the year for anyone. Um, I mean, life is a, like like my beautiful mother would say, uh, life is not a bed of roses. Um, li life. Did life she is tough. did she take that from uh, Bon Jovi? I have no idea. Potentially, <laughs> my, my, my mom comes up with quotes from God knows where. Um, but no, but seriously, and I I spent three months in that facility on two okay like on two admissions yeah um and it's the same for me actually i had a two-week gap between the two admissions and i had a relapse within those two weeks so, like when i first left i thought i was on top of the world like i like i was good and i was going to the gym personal trainer you name it like i was doing all sorts of things as well and you know one night i just found myself at 3 a.m 
counting pills again. Um, and my, my psychiatrist at the time um, said that, you know, if I had been drinking alcohol that night, that he would have probably read yeah. on the news the next day. That would, that would have topped it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's why I, I readmitted myself. All these admissions, well, all these these two admissions, all voluntary, you can self-discharge, you know, it's it's just checking oh, okay, in. Okay, so you can self- leave whenever you want. You don't need to be told. Yeah, exactly. And and unless you're, uh, what was the term? Sectioned. Um, sectioned. Um, but that's, we weren't, you know. No, we were both voluntary patients. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, I well, did month and a half and then about a week and a half break and then another month and a half ish um and then i was admitted to a trauma facility which was a nightmare in the countryside and i lasted about two weeks there um but i've been out but i've been doing much better i see my psychologist twice a week good um so i've got a really good yeah care team but you know again, going back to sort of each admission is when you're feeling unsafe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the future looking now is you guys want to do traveling. You want to see what other cultures are like surrounded by mental health. You want to help other people out and uh, we'll get get people to watch YouTube videos, find out more about you guys. You're extraordinary people. uh, Edward, have you got any advice? For anyone who is struggling out there, what what would you say if, let's say if I'm, I'm me and I'm coming up to you, Edward, I'm, I'm not feeling myself. I, I mean, the the important thing is is to understand your your feelings and how you're feeling. Yeah. Um. I I think my advice only comes from personal experience. Is that just you know don't don't quit. Yeah. Just don't, don't flip and quit. You know, life has, it it can get brighter. There's so much more to it. There's so much more to it. And, and I, I struggle on a daily basis, you know, like I'm here, sat here talking about it, but I'm struggling on a daily basis. I, I suffer from PTSD, potentially complex PTSD. And that's something that I'm gaining more understanding on. And you know, it, it's it's a tough question. Like, what advice can I give? I mean, like, who am I to give advice to other people? Um, but in the sense where, you know, like, if you had a place as dark as I was, there's the only way is up. And what I would say is that because I remember before every, everything went downhill that I was... I could say that I was in a pretty good place. And then when you hit rock bottom, you don't really, really realize the mountain. It's not a mountain, but you see the top, you see the bottom, the middle is what you don't understand and what you don't see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's the journey. <laughs> that That's the journey. And that's build the climb. <laughs> that's the climb. And that's building a relationship with yourself and an understanding of yourself mm-hmm. is vital yeah. to the journey. Um, and, you know, you it, there can be lapses and relapses. And, you know, as my, my psychiatrist would say, and my psychologist is like a speed bump. 
Yeah. Um, you know, you just have a speed bump and then you, you, you power through. Um, but I think my top tip of the day uh, <laughs> would be just make sure you check in with yourself. Yeah. Um, and just really, you know, hone in on how you're feeling. Um, and like you said, if you were uh, to ask me the question, I would just make sure, you know, what are the feelings, making sure that you're connecting with the feelings, uh, no matter on what emotional level it is. Yeah. Um, and then start understanding and start building that relationship with the feelings so that then you can come out of, you know, the cloudiness because it can get very sort of tunnel visioned. Um, and I'm all about having, when you start putting things into perspective and have an outward, like thinking outside of the box, yeah, medication helps. But when you have that and you sort of train yourself, even through mindfulness, um, for example, uh, would be a good way of uh, sort of, you know, having faith and, and, and the hope in there. Yeah. Anna, have you got anything to add on to that? I would say with the feelings, um, don't undermine what you're feeling because and don't compare your feelings to somebody else's journey because yeah. your feelings are just as valid to you and to what you're feeling is just as true to you as to what I've felt and what I'm feeling now. Um, and the same for you and for Edward, you know, whatever you're feeling is as strong and as true as it is for you in that moment and not to undermine that or to devalue that because that is truly how you're feeling. Um, and sometimes, you know, reaching out for help may be, um, I don't know, something to look into um, when you're feeling ready because it can be really hard to have that outside of the box perspective uh, yeah. perspective without sometimes having a little bit of guidance when you're in that tunnel vision. Because when I was in that tunnel vision, there was no way I could see outside of what was going on around me. I was just completely focused on my thoughts, on flashbacks, on images, on all of these things. And your mind is consumed over so many different things. Um, and just don't be ashamed to ask for help. Yeah. Um, there are, you know, emotional okay. support okay helplines. It's okay to ask and it's okay not to be okay. Um, and I think, you know, having conversations like these are really important. Um, and if you're feeling suicidal, talk about that. Yeah. You know, talk about nothing those. To be ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of. You know, many people have these thoughts and, and don't raise it. And I think it's important to talk about those feelings. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, we sort of are trying to come in to say, hey, it's okay to say that this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like Edward said, you know, checking in with yourself, how, how am I feeling today? Um, and sort of, you know, whether it's keeping a mood diary or something like that, or um you know there's lots of free ways to get an access help online as well yeah um, brilliant and so you know you can do self-help books and all of these sorts of things and if you're feeling like you're needing help um that's a sign yeah and and yeah don't be ashamed because 
I mean, there's, there's there's different ways of reaching out. Um, you know, you have the here in the UK, you have uh, Samaritans. Uh, you also have was it Sane? Sane, yeah. Um, Sane, you know, free helplines. Um, it just there's so many conversations now. So many, uh, exactly. Or even shout us out and on instagram dm you know yeah, yeah. but we're, we're not we're, professionals we're not <laughs> professionals but you know we have feelings too and i think one thing also to leave people with is there's always hope and you know my darkest moment in life i met one of the most special people in my life so Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, You're the, 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 there's, <laughs> there's 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 always hope. You know, it comes when you least expect it, and there's always hope. There's there's a bright side in in the darkness. Yeah, the cloud. You know, Ab- the clouds will open up, and the sun will come through at some point. Well. Thank you so much, Edward and Hannah. Thank you. It's been thank a you. pleasure to have you guys on the show. Uh, thank you so so much for considering me and using my platform. <laughs> no, this has abso- been really exciting. Thank you. We my, believe in everything first, you're doing. First interview that I've got. So I, 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 it's I, been I really wish we good. could talk more. I just I feel know like, we I know, could keep going, but <laughs> it, the hour has gone so fast. It's, it's gone quickly. Um, but, uh, I wish you both the very best in life. I'm so excited to see what you come up with in the future of your uh, YouTube videos. To do keep me involved and keep thank me you. informed with, with what's going on. We're launching one Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be sure to tune in. Um, So you've been listening to Into the Mind with me, Eddie Ross. Stay positive together. Bye-bye.